Gridiron Grinder! Hut hut hike! Alright, it's Gridiron Grinder time. I'm Ryan, with me as always is my buddy James. Just a couple of dudes hanging out talking about what's going on in the NFL each week. Uh, this is episode 147 of Gridiron Grinder. And for tonight we're going to kick things off with Name That Stadium, like we always do. Then we're going to cover the news from this past week. Uh, after that we're going to jump in and we are going to evaluate... Uh, the new head coaches in the league, there's five of them this year. Two of them are retreads out of the five. Uh, and then last but not least, we'll close things off with our question of the week. And so uh, with all that being said, how's it going tonight there, James? It's going good. How's it going with you? Uh, it's good, man. It's good. Just uh, jamming away. And um, yeah, you know, we uh, kind of got to the show like mostly on time this week, which is pretty good. Seems like there's always some kind of a snag or whatever got us delayed, but uh, yeah, I'm good to go, man. Why don't you uh, take that ball and run with it for Name That Stadium, homie? All right. So as you can see, I like to uh, travel around to stadiums that host NFL games. Um, if you are the first person to guess it right, we'll give you an extra special shout out, probably give you a bookmark to it so you can just play it over and over again. Um, last week we had no, or last time, was it last week or did we skip? I'm so confused. Yeah, I think we, we, did, we did it early last week, right? We yeah. did last Wednesday. Yeah, that's right. So, we, but we had no takers. Um, I did see, like, within, like, a couple of days, like, we had, like, 50 views or something. Within, like, like day two, it was at, like, 40 some, 47 views, which was quality. So, you know, keep watching. For us, yes. <laughs> keep, 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 keep watching, you know, play, play the game. We'll give you that extra special shout-out. But I was, I was in Philadelphia, last week um i damn near came damn near picked philadelphia to be an undefeated super bowl champion um this coming season so kind of that's why i picked philadelphia yeah i know people are gonna say well you're counting the chiefs out but yeah you know bite me it's my predictions i gotcha hey it's all good and, and you ended up riding the wave with the lions right so yeah exactly exactly i i pulled i pulled that uh an upset, um, two, two upsets in the, um, second round of the playoffs. So I like it. I like it. All right. Well, yeah. Hey, hopefully we get some takers and we can have a little bit of action for next week, but either way, we're going to keep the show rolling. So, uh, let's go on here and do our recap of the past week. Uh, James, there was running back drama aplenty this mm -hmm. past week. Okay. And so we'll start with uh, Dalvin Cook was released by the Vikings. Um, you know, they tried to trade him, but it looks like his contract was just a little too hefty to get a trade partner. So they elected to just release him and go with the um, cheaper, uh, albeit maybe less electric option in Alexander Madison. Uh, but I'm, I'm interested to see how he does because he's been productive when he's been given the chances. And so uh, I don't think they're going to be in bad shape at running back. Um, but, um, you know, hopefully they got somebody behind Madison just because it's a tough position to play and you got to have some depth. Uh, and everything I'm yeah. hearing is like, oh, yeah, go ahead, man. Yeah, and with with, cu with cutting Cook, it saved them $9 million against the cap, which – I mean, they were they. I didn't think they were that desperate to save money against the cap, but I guess they were. Um, well, yeah, I think they're trying to free space to do the deal with Jefferson, right? 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're going to have to pony up for him. So, um, and and whatever. I mean, you look at what's going on with the running backs and contracts and things like that, which is going to lead on to the next handful of things I've got for the news. But, yeah, but it I, wouldn't Jefferson contract they wouldn't affect this year. Like even if they gave him an extension, it wouldn't really hit much this year. It 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 really be next year. So who cares about nine million this year? Well, so isn't there something in the um, in the the rules now where if you have unused cap space, you can roll over a certain amount into the next year. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure there's some reason for it, you know, but, um, you know, or they just thought cooks on decline and making a ton of money and they'd rather go to go to Madison, you know? So uh, in either, in either case, it, it sounds like cook's going to have a pretty strong market and he's already made comments about wanting to take his time and figure out what the team's going to be. But I've heard like, um, you know, Miami's interested, Denver's interested, you know, a handful of teams are interested. And so well, Denver, Denver would be a terrible landing spot for Dalvin Cook. Like, seriously, they have uh, Javante Williams, Javante Williams, who's an every down back. Where are they going to fit Cook, uh, Cook in? That's so. Yeah. And what I'm hearing about Denver is that they like him because Javante Williams isn't a lock to start in week one. And so if that's the case, maybe you have a guy like Cook, and then even when Williams is ready, you ease him into action. You don't give him a full workload right away. And so they could be kind of like a good tandem for, you know, a little while going into the year, and then maybe you phase out Cook or whatever. But, um, you know, it, it's just, hey, it teams want to have that cupboard stocked. And, uh, you know, Cook will find home. I heard even Buffalo pairing him up with his brother man like that'd be only, interesting but the only way he'd go to buffalo is if he if he were to take a cheap ass contract which he won't do for sure for buffalo, sure buffalo buffalo is not as views the running back position as like who cares who we have at running back because we're not really yeah. gonna gonna use them that much yeah if he if he went there it's uh i'll take the discount to try and get the super bowl you know mm-hmm. um you know and, and maybe it's i'll take the discount and I'll take a part-time role for a year where that part-time production looks so good that I'll get a solid contract next time around. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Either way, you know, he's out. Um, the next one I got running back wise, Austin Eckler, you know, and, and some of this is like a little bit puff piece kind of stuff, but he's in the news complaining about the value of the running back position making comments about how it's tough to accept the franchise tag. And, you know, like for him, I think they, they revised his contract. They gave him some incentive and, you know, either way he's saying, you know, he thinks that his, his pay for his level of production is not commensurate in so many words. And, you know, this is, it's, it's a tough one because I like Eckler, uh, but it does bother me to some degree because, you know, James, it's not like, this happened with the running back position just this year. This is a change that's been going on for a long time. Now the league has been moving towards uh, more of a pass friendly game and the running back position has been devalued for a long time. Some of it, even because years ago, so many people wanted to be running backs that they flooded that position group and so much talent came out of it that it diluted the pool. And so it's, that's why you see a lot of these mid and late round guys 
having success at the position because it just, you get a lot of guys that want to do it and a lot mm -hmm. of guys that are good at it. And so it's just, but to me, it's like with Eckler, it's like, look, man, you know, the name of the game, you know, what's going on in the NFL. Like, you know, you want to complain about it. Fine. But to me, it just rubs me the wrong way because whether it's the franchise tag or the devaluing of the position, it's like, come on, dude, you knew all this before you even got there. And him of all people, he was somebody that, uh, you know, late round pick or whatever it was. I, I, he wasn't undrafted, right? He was a later round pick. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, he was a, uh... But I, either way, nobody expected him to even be a starter. And he, he ended up working his ass off and he got there and he's making solid money. And it's just like, come on, dude. Like it just him, him complaining just bothered me, you know? Yeah. I'm going to look up. I, I think he was, I think you're right. He was a late round pick, but yeah, he, he was a great success story. And it just, to me, it's like him complaining now about his contract situation. It like tarnishes some of that story to me, you know, actually but, he was undrafted. He was undrafted. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I thought you know, wrong, makes, but... <laughs> yeah, makes his success story even better. I just hate to see it get tainted now because he's complaining about the money and the franchise tag and this and that. It, it you know, complain about the franchise tag. Come on, man. Everybody knows how that works in the NFL. It's you know agreed upon in the CBA, and you know you got a problem with it. Like, ah, oh, man, I don't know. That just it bothers me. You got to know who has leverage. Where, when, why, how, all that. And the franchise tag's been around forever. So, uh, or for a long time. Um, the next one, James, Saquon Barkley. You know, he's been in the news a little bit in, in recent weeks. But this past week in particular, he's now making comments that he doesn't rule sitting out all of 2023 if he's forced to play on the franchise tag. And so to me, once again... You should know the rules of the game before you get in it. Uh, you, you, you know, elected to be drafted into the NFL. You played through this contract and now you got franchise tag. That is something that you knew could have happened before you took that job. And mm -hmm. so to me, it's just like, come on, man, suck it up. Do the job you're being paid to do. I get it. There's risk. You could get hurt and things like that, but this is this is how the game is designed and how the league is designed and it just man so many people just bitching left and right it's just bothering me this past week yeah Ted, i didn't read and now i can't find it but i had seen something about uh jonathan paler speaking out about the devaluing of <laughs> yep. of the running yep. backs too and it's <laughs> it's like everywhere everywhere you turn this week it's like oh running backs are devalued yeah. Like, look, if you're not a if you're not a beast like like uh, Derrick Henry, you're not Christian McCaffrey. You yeah. don't get paid the big bucks. No, period. no, because in Eckler's a prime example. When you can find a guy undrafted and have mm -hmm. him turn out to be amazing, it's hard to pay a guy stud money. It's just tough. And and then so many teams like the Patriots and however many over the years. They've been able to perfect the running back by committee where you don't even have to be a stud. You just got to be good for five or 10 plays in combination with three, four other guys or whatever. And it doesn't even matter. And so it just, ah, oh. but yeah. And then, and then I got two more JK Dobbins. So yep. he's got, you know, an apparent contract dispute going on as well. And now he's making comments 
in, in his, I didn't get the exact comment other than he, he said something like with Lamar, it's, it's never just roses and daisies, but basically he's alluding to uh, him possibly sitting out a mini camp over his contract. And so it's just another one crying about it, man. Yeah. So he's in the, he, he's, he's in the final year. He said, he said, the business side is very hard. It's very difficult. You saw with Lamar, it's never just roses and daisies. It can be hard at times, and and it's business though. Yeah. Um, but it's like this is the business you chose to get into. So, so the thing I can say is, I would love to be a Baltimore Raven for the rest of my career. I would love, love to, because I love the city. I love the people. It feels feels like family here. It feels like my second home, and I hope that happens. It's just. And then there's a bunch of Harbaugh quotes in here, but it's like, dude. Yeah. And it's tough with Dobbins because he's a former first rounder that never really lived up to that draft slot. And this past year, a contract year is hanging out there and he starts playing great, but he still has injury issues. And so it's like, you know, what are you, what are you thinking you're going to get Dobbins? You know, you've not been like a beast year in and year out. And so, you know, it's hard for a team to pay somebody that when they can just go and draft more guys and have them arguably do the same thing on a rookie contract again. All right. So his career, since he was drafted, there's been 50 games played by the Baltimore Ravens. He's played in 23 of them. Yeah. Yeah. So you know what? Go cry. Yeah, you got hurt and you missed the entire 21 season. You missed six straight games last year. It's just, it's like, you know, don't don't get hurt and maybe you could sh- prove that you're yeah worthwhile. Yeah. Hey, we'll find whatever the uh, you know mid level starter pay is and we'll give you half of that because you're only mm-hmm. playing half the games. Not even, but we'll yeah. we'll be nice and give you half. Yeah, and then and then the last one, James. This one's not even you know not even the complaining part of it or whatever. This was just a bummer to see, but uh, running back related. James Robinson was released by the New England Patriots, and mm-hmm. so uh, he was an undrafted guy from Jacksonville a few years back, and uh, had a great story, man. You know, he came out as a rookie, uh, had like over a thousand yards and over ten touchdowns, and then he had some injury issues. Uh, and obviously then they drafted, you know, ETN and uh, it seems like pretty much now his story's all but faded out. And it just, that's one of the bummer ones because it was a good story, you know, feel good kind of story, but it goes to show you just how quick things can change in the NFL, especially at the running back position. Yeah. I, so I finally, like I was looking for something else and I finally found what Taylor was saying about, Contracts. Okay. Or running backs. Like you see, guys that 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 request trades. They just want to be feel val. They want to feel valued by not only their coaches, their teammates, but the organization. Um. They've he's approached the contract with with the Colts. Hopefully, they see value in me. Blah blah blah. Wham. <laughs> Yeah, where were you last year, by the way? Uh, 
And you hope that things are being evaluated the right way. Yeah, I, I think for Sorry. him, you know, he he's in a um, an interesting position this year because with them drafting Anthony Richardson, you got to mm-hmm. believe they're going to be planning on riding him hard, which means if he performs, he should be able to get paid. Okay, but they've had an amazing offensive line, and minus success early in his career, it has been rocky at best as of late, and it should be a lot better than that. And so, you know, it's just tough. You know, like you got to keep performing at a very high level if you want that high level contract. That's just Mm -hmm. the way it goes. Exactly. And there's only two running backs that consistently perform at a high level. One of them does does have a little bit of injury history, but I mean, when he's on the field and he's like McCaffrey, he's on the field. He's the best player on the field damn near half the time. And, and, and then the Derek Henry in Tennessee, who's starting to get a lot of tread on his, on those tires. So, <laughs> yeah, man, I love Derrick Henry, man. He's he's just such a bruiser of a running back. But yeah, he's he's finally in running back years, getting a little bit long in the tooth. And so, mm. how long can you keep that up when you're a bruiser like that? I don't know, but it's been impressive so far. Yeah, uh, and the what the one you didn't mention with talking about running backs was Najee Harris. Oh, I didn't even hear what's going on with him. Uh, he was just talking about talking about like, um how longevity of running backs is isn't a thing or something like that is like see people like that get released especially in my position it's like damn what did they do it's because they're it's is it because of their age (laughs) Dalvin cook and uh who was the other one uh that that got just like all these guys get released talking about james robinson is the other one yeah james robinson um is it because their age you know what i mean uh, what I don't I don't know is is it money from the team? They gotta pay somebody. I don't I don't know, but it's eye opening for sure. It's dude, I tell you. All right, so I mean those comments. I I see where he's going with that, but here's something that I've heard with James Robinson in particular is that it was that fast that his speed just disappeared, and. Mm-hmm. You gotta have that kind of pop at running back, and once you lose that, man, it's tough. And and I'll tell you, man, I remember. Do you remember? Uh, this was like a number of years back. They tried doing the uh, the veteran combine. Do you remember that? No. So like all these vets and agents got together and they were like, "Hey, we want to do our own combine as a way of like trying to get some of these." veteran players back in the league because they feel like they still got some gas left in the tank and they've just been overlooked for whatever reason. And it was a disaster, man, especially with the running backs. There were like so many of the running backs that didn't even break into the four second mark in the 40. They were five seconds and higher. It's like, well, what do you expect when like everybody and their mom in the combines running like a four, four and you Mm -hmm. can't even break under five, like it just, you're, you're not going to get a job. Sorry. It's just the way it is. Convert to fullback and maybe try that. I don't know, but 
but there's only two teams running fullbacks. So it's like, yeah, oh. well, like, like with uh, running backs, I, I remember a number of years ago, like I think it was going into going to the Super Bowl in Detroit. I remember like, like that week leading up to it, like whoever had the Super Bowl did a, did a thing on on like Jerome Bettis. Yeah. And showed him showed him like like Monday morning uh before the Super Bowl, the Monday before the Super Bowl, how like he could barely walk down the stairs in his house. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then I mean Take at, the, at that point he was he was way way over the hill and was just just uh just goal lined. It, I I saw something the other day, it was I think it was on Twitter talking about like the best stat line in all the sports. Carries four Yards two, three touchdowns. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Or it might have even been like yards negative one, because I think his, <laughs> I think, I think one of his carries he lost like he lost like yeah. four yards, and the other three he had one yard touchdowns on. Yeah, just pounded them in, man. Yeah, I mean, hey, that's what you got to do. You got to become a specialist at that mm-hmm. point, and you know, it's like. Um, the old Lions running back who's bounced around. I think he was with the Raiders for a while. I know he was with the Vikings for a while. Uh, Amir Abdullah. It's like, okay, man, you know, he, you know, was a bust in Detroit as a second round pick. Okay. But he reinvented himself as a kick returner and just i I'll do whatever you want me to do on special teams mm-hmm. just to stay in the league. And it bought him a lot of time in this game. But a lot of these guys refuse to do that kind of work. And so you get what you get when that's how you're going to be. I'm just saying. See, what, what mentioning Bettis, like that year that, that they won the Super Bowl, like he he fumbled the ball on like the goal line. Um, and then like Indianapolis, it was I remember it was Indianapolis-Pittsburgh. He fumbled the ball on the goal line. And like he ran down the guy that recovered the ball at like the forty yard line and tackled him to save the touchdown, which basically saved the game. Nice, nice man. I, I I'm having a hard time remembering that, but I got to take you for your word because I believe you got it right. I'm I'm pretty sure. I know I know for a fact that he he fumbled the ball, and I'm pretty sure he made the tackle that year. Okay. Well, if you're going to look that up, man, I'll, I'll spin this off into it's some 2006 other Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give you just some other player non running back position news. And so um, in Buffalo, uh, Stefan Diggs missed a day of, of training camp this past week. And it's kind of weird because at first, Sean, pa- Sean Payton, Sean McDermott was concerned, very concerned. Now, all of a sudden, his absence has been excused. I'm not hearing the full story here, but it sounds to me like McDermott is maybe trying to play play nice with one of his high profile guys uh, and not make a stink about it. But okay, I I have actually a lot to say about this one. So okay, so the question, if you listen to the question that McDermott was asked, he was asked, "How concerned are you with Stefan Diggs missing practice?" Okay. He didn't say he didn't answer a question saying I'm very concerned. He was asked how concerned he was. Gotcha. So So you think this it, is a media just 
efficient I for drama. I think it's media efficient for drama. There was there was shit that happened at practice. McDermott said, you know what, we just need to cool down. Why don't you t- why don't you go ahead and take the day off? We'll talk later. Oh well, all right. Knowing that, then that's fine. It sounded to me like it was Diggs that just skipped a day, and it was unknown why. No, I was just I was just looking at it and let's do I no see that's the thing because i wanted to know the story because from from what i read it was like okay well if the player just skipped a day mcdermott should have been more stern with him but the way that he backed down off of it made it sound like to me he was like given into one of his high profile players yeah no i was i was just reading it I, i closed the article but but it was it was like they just he basically more or less said, you know what, just take the day off. All right. And th- uh, that's, hey, that's perfectly acceptable. You know, that that's the coach is allowed to do that. And uh, freaking media just, you know, looking for drama. So, yeah, I, I'm not fi- I'm not finding it. I just I had it open, but I must have closed it because I knew we were going to go there. All right. That's OK. On it. But oh, well. Uh, so, yeah, and, and then the last couple things I got, Jonah Williams, the offensive lineman for Cincinnati, uh, you know, the team wanted to move him to right tackle after they signed Orlando Brown in free agency. Uh, he originally requested a trade. Sounds like he has accepted his move to right tackle and has backed off on his trade request, uh, even saying he is stoked about moving to right tackle. Uh, and, and that's good. That's good because I think that's a Super Bowl team, especially if they can keep that offensive line solid and bringing in Orlando Brown and moving him to right tackle. That's like a double bonus for that offensive line. And so mm-hmm. um, I'm really happy to see what's going on with him. And then the uh, the next one, the next player related one, anyhow, uh, I saw Frank Clark signed with Denver. Uh, I like the move. I didn't see the contract details, anything like that. But, you know, just in general, uh, it's a guy that is going to bring some veteran leadership uh, to that defense. And, you know, you look at what Sean Payton did historically with New Orleans. He likes having a solid front seven on defense. Frank Clark helps give them that. And so I I like that signing. So I was was right up until the person that made the tackle on the Jerome Bettis play. Okay. It was Roethlisberger that made the tackle. Oh, shit. Whew. Roethlisberger, of all people. Yeah. In, well, in he was young then. That was yeah, like was his young. rookie year, right? So Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or, or year two or something? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So so he fumbled it. Uh, so let's see. So they were... Blah blah blah. Two on the two yard line. Okay. He, he Bettis fumbled it. It popped into the air. Nick Har- Harper recovered the ball and basically was about to score a touchdown. And at the forty two yard line, I told you it was like the forty yard line. Um, Roethlisberger barely, barely got the guy's ankle and tripped him up. Gotcha. And then Vanderjet missed an extra point wide right. And the final score of the game was 21 to 18. Jeez. Whew. Ah, nice, nice. But, but I remembered most of it, except for the wrong player making That's the tackle. That's okay. 
you, you just had uh, the wrong statue of a player. Yeah, exactly. The wrong oh. statue of the player. But that was that was Roethlisberger's what, second year. <laughs> Still, he was never athletic. But yeah, uh, yeah. just a, just a freaking rocket of an arm. <laughs> um, all right. So the last thing I had for the news, James, was that the Cleveland Browns came out with a new dog logo. Uh, it's got like some darker colors and. Uh, you know, kind of like an angry, aggressive-looking dog. Uh, you know, I, I kind of like it. I think it looks tough, uh, although it does remind me a little bit of the red dog, the old beer logo. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but either way, I, I think, hey, you know, it's cool that it's <laughs> it's it's more fitting than Brownie the Elf. So, uh, you know, and I get it. Brownie the Elf is a throwback to, like, years and years and years ago, and you got to do that kind of thing every now and then, but this is football. You want to be a little bit more aggressive. This logo kind of lines up with that. Uh, what did you think of it, man? You know, I didn't see it, but based on okay. your description, I don't know if I give two shits about it because that sounds <laughs> terrible. Yeah. I mean, hey, you know, how often are they going to – well, they're not going to have it on the helmets, right? So, I mean, you're going to see it on the field every now and then or what? I don't know. Yeah. So – all right, yeah. What else news-wise, man? What I miss? So, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna because I don't want to end the news on a sad note. Okay. I'll, I'll name this one first. Um, the former Giants wide receiver Homer Jones, who is credited with inventing the spike, mm. um, died this week at 82. He was apparently the first player in. The first player to spike the football after a touchdown in the NFL. Well, good for him, man. Um, so, I mean, 82, that's pretty pretty old. I mean, he played 87 games in his career. Uh, I mean, not bad stats-wise. For He played, played 60s, finished last season was 1970. He had 224 receptions for nearly 5,000 yards. Okay. Which is pretty pretty good stats for that era. He had he's he's still the all time leader with a career average of twenty two point three yards per catch. Yeah, I was gonna say I was just trying to do the math in my head, and I was like, that's like twenty something yards a catch, man. That's um <laughs> that's got to be a rare error. But yeah, I mean it's it's tops is what it sounds like. So yeah, so so for. <laughs> He first spiked the football after an 89-yard 80, touchdown catch against the Eagles in 1965. And he said, I, I had always said that when I made my first touchdown, I was going to throw the ball in the stands. They changed the rules in the offseason to a $500 fine oh. for throwing the balls, ball in the into the stands. And as I crossed the goal line, my intention had always been to throw the ball into the stands, but I thought about the $500 and I threw it on the ground. <laughs> well, yeah, because back then they didn't make the big bucks like they do now. So <laughs> yeah, so so that's how that's I that's how the spike came about because the league would have fined him five hundred bucks, which I think his salary might have been a thousand bucks for the year back then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So another sad note in it. Um. Ray. Uh. Ray Lewis's son. Ray Lewis the third, I believe, um, 
died at the age of 28. Oh, crap. Uh, I, I didn't see what the... Uh, I don't see what the cause was or anything. Okay. Um, it's just details and circumstances of the death of his death aren't known. Okay. Off to off the sad stuff. Have you seen? Wait, which way do I want? Which one do I want to do first? I'll do this one. Um, did you hear about what Antonio Brown once again is in the news? Oh man, didn't you tell me he was in the news like a week or two ago? Oh jeez. So Antonio Brown owns an arena. I'm sorry, owns a former arena football team. Okay. In the middle of the season, Antonio Brown's Albany. Eagles or Albany Empire, they were thrown out of the league for not paying league dues. Oh, well, that's that's his M.O., right? I'm just not going to pay. So apparently they paid the April assessment, and then they didn't make the May or the June assessment. Um, and it's, it's, it's like pretty bad with what happened like like players on the team weren't getting paid the coach quit because because of mispayment um and so apparently according to what's being reported the his accountant told the league that he that they won't they're not going to pay the league dues yeah basically at the at that point, the league gave them so yeah, gave them till Thursday till noon this past Thursday to come to make make good on on their obligation and they didn't so they voted to kick him out of kick them out of the league. The sad thing about it is, um, the team that he bought had won the last two. Okay league championships so we're what was it a week or two ago you were saying he was gonna play on yeah. his team he said he was gonna play for on his team um i mean he could still play on this team but on this team but not in a real game now yeah so apparently this year alone or unless let's call it the last since september 21 He's been sued by a jeweler who says he owes him more than a million dollars. He's sued by his marketing company um, for $2.4 million. And he uh, allegedly, or he's accused of trying to rip off a music reporter, a music promoter for $500,000. Man. I don't know. That so, Monte's perfect hit. Yeah. You know, he could have been a Hall of Famer. And then the last one, and on a positive note, have you seen or read about the Chiefs championship ring? I have not. I, I heard that they just got him, but I, I haven't seen the picture yet. 
All right. So there's 613 diamonds. Okay. Total and and 35 rubies totaling 16.1 carats. So the team's logo on the ring has 16 rubies representing the division titles, 50 diamonds representing the 50th anniversary of Arrowhead, three Lombardi trophies, because that's how many they've won, um, total of 16 whatever baguette diamonds at the base representing 16 players who scored a touchdown in the 2022 regular season. Okay. A red backdrop created of 19 rubies and 38 diamonds. They scored 38 points in the Super Bowl, which was Super Bowl 57, 19 plus 38. 54 diamonds along the top, representing the deficit in terms of total points the Chiefs had to overcome in their two most recent Super Bowl championship playoff runs. <laughs> a removable top of the ring that can turn into a pendant molded to look like Arrowhead Stadium. Okay. And each player's name in gold, along with a row of 13 diamonds. Yeah, I'm trying this to is... find a picture of it. Here, I'll just send you this in the ch in the chat. It's okay. It's a link to ESPN that has has a little video you can look at. To show all these, but it it looks pretty. It, it looks tight. It, I mean, it's a little big and gaudy, but I mean that's how they are now, right? They're just yeah. freaking insane. All right. Oh, I gotta watch the video to see it. Yeah, you can kind of see, like, if you scroll down, like you have the play over over it, but you can see the. Okay. Uh, oh, gotcha. Yeah, it took a minute to. To load. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm jealous. I'm jealous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I just wanted to end on a little happier note. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. Freaking bling bling. Bling bling, motherfucker. All right. The news is out of the way. Let's do our evaluation of the new head coaches. Sound good, James? Sounds good to me. All right. Well, hey, before we talk specifically about each of these guys, I want to just go through some stats that I pulled up this week. And so, um, you know, depending on what source you're looking at, because some of them look back a certain amount of years, some of them go back further, whatever. Uh, basically, there's about an average of seven new head coaches in the NFL each year in, in this era. Going back to 2005, we've had three seasons with 10 or more head coaching changes. 2006 had 10, 2009 had 11, and last year, 2022, had 10. This year, we've got five. Three rookie head coaches, two veteran head coaches, there are um, also, looking back now to 2008, 71.4% <clears throat> of the new coaches also happen to be rookie head coaches. And so uh, this year we got three out of five. It's a little bit lagging, but, you know, it's a small sample size. So you look at the whole thing and it's really not that far off. But um, 
you know, keep going with the stats. I, I was looking at this one on medium.com, and they're saying that a new coach improves their team's record 63% of the time by 1.3 wins from the previous season, which in this article they talk about, you know, that's not really a whole lot when you think that the team is at like the bottom of the barrel, which is why they made the coaching change. Uh, you know, they really should have nowhere to go but up. And so only by going up 1.3 games is that like a huge difference. But then again, it's it's a new coach inheriting a dog shit team. And so, you know, improvements, improvement. Uh, but also 33rdteam.com, a different source now, is saying that since 2013, so going back about 10 years, 28.6% of new head coaches make the playoffs in their first year. And so with five guys this year, there's a chance one of those guys is going to make the playoffs, at least one of those guys. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, just looking at some more stats collectively since 2013, first year head coaches have a combined win percentage of 44.3%. So overall losing record. But what's more interesting is that the rookie head coaches account for 70.8% of um, the first-year head coaches that make the playoffs. And so basically they're saying the rookie head coaches have about a 41% chance more likely to make the playoffs than a retread head coach. Um, and, And then, but despite that additional playoff success, those rookie head coaches, if you isolate just their win percentage in the first year, it's 44.7%, which is almost identical to these other coaches. And so it's kind of strange that they have that much more success getting into the playoffs when their records are almost identical. And so, uh, James, I'm, I'm laying all this out there because we're going to come back to it for our question of the week. We're going to talk about these coaches and uh, you know, some of these stats could kind of tie into that question of the week. And so um, laying the groundwork, you know, that's what we're dealing with when you look at these new head coaches. And, um, oh, you know, I did have I did have one last thing on this. One last stat is that <clears throat> since 2010, there have been five teams with five or more head coach changes. All right. So in 13 years. These teams have had five or more head coaches. You've got Denver with six, Cleveland with six, and then you've got Jacksonville, Tampa Bay, and I'll just say the Raiders because they were partly Oakland, each with five. So those guys are just flipping coaches like crazy. Um, but yeah, you know, that's that's the stats. You know, if you want, we can jump into the guys individually, talk a little bit about them, what we like, what we don't like, what's going on. And, you know, why don't you tell me, who do you want to start with, man? So the first, like, the one thing I noticed, uh, there's the three rookie head coaches, they're all young, too. They're, like, the oldest one is, um, is it Gannon? Gannon's, Gannon is the oldest one at 40. And both the the Miko Ryans, who's turn turns thirty nine this year, and Steichen, who turned thirty eight this year. Okay. 
Yeah, so um, I mean, they're not like Sean McVay young when he got his coaching job, but they're on the younger side. I got you. Right, but if you if you look at look at like their coaching career, well, I guess it's more D'Amico Ryan's than anyone else. Because uh, like I just glanced at D'Amico Ryan's coaching career, and like his first time first first year coaching was two thousand as a coach was two thousand seventeen. Yeah, and he you know um, he succeeded Robert Sala on that mm-hmm. defense, and so yeah, yeah. Which, you look at you look at kind of like his history as a coach; it's pretty limited. But he was a, a former player, regarded as a uh, like a natural born leader kind of type. Uh, and also a player for the Houston Texans, so that's kind of kind of so a nice feel good story. Played, but yeah, he played ten years. He the last couple years he didn't play full seasons. In a number of the years he didn't play full season. And in 2010, 2014, 2015, um, he played played didn't play the full season. He finished up with 735 solo tackles, 235 assists. Um, 13 and a half sacks. Uh, seven interceptions. So, I mean, that's pretty good um, career. He played for two, three, six years for Houston and four years in Philadelphia. But under under him as coach with um, the 49ers, they were, last year, they were number one in defense. Where is my stat? Where is my I mean, yeah, that defense was lights out last um, year. Top units in the NFL for the past two seasons. In 2022, they were top-ranked defense, finishing number one in yards allowed, number one in points allowed, number one in fewest big plays allowed, number two in rush yards allowed, number two in turnovers forced, and number four in yards per play. Which, I mean, that's pretty good. He, oh, yeah. He only he has only coached previous to this. He coached he started his coaching career as a quality control coach, then an inside linebacker coach, then took over as defensive coordinator in San Francisco, and that's. Um, but he was he was on the. He declined. He was on the block to get a, a the Minnesota job last year. Okay. But he, he declined a second interview and opted to stay with the 49ers instead. Yeah, because he, he knew what he had, man. I mean, that was yeah. a freaking stacked defense. Fifth against the pass, second against the rush. He was he was assistant assistant coach of the year for the 49ers. Yeah, and I, I mean I like it. I like um I like the fit. I like the the hype train that he's bringing to Houston. You know, the I players like the moves. Oh, yeah, damn. Yeah, I love the, their draft. The players like him. He's already brought a couple of vets with him in free agency, which is really abnormal for a rookie head coach. Most mm-hmm. of the time, man, they, they struggle that first offseason to get guys in. You know, a lot of players want to see what they can do before they get behind them. But you got guys instantly backing him. And, you know, which is good because he's he's inheriting arguably you know, the worst or one of the worst rosters. And they went out, they've had a freaking dynamite offseason, the draft, getting cornerstones on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, I, man, I think, um, yeah, I, I and, and then and then I also looked at it like Houston, it's, um, 
they were the league's worst run defense, which is right up as it's right up Demeco Ryan's alley mm-hmm. as a defensive mind, getting that under control. And so, you know, I think that um, it's going to be a good fit. I am trying to like, you know, manage my expectations because of Houston being at the bottom of the barrel, but uh, I do like him. The one thing I worry about is that it's on the offensive side of the ball. It's that, man, with them going out and getting Stroud in the first round like that, I would have liked to see them get somehow a true wide receiver one, which they just, they don't really have. And, you know, it's like with a rookie quarterback, man, I really want to have a solid top wide receiver to help his development, but it's okay. I think they'll figure it out. And they did bring in uh, Robert Woods, right? And then Dalton Schultz also. So I think that helps, uh, but I just would like a little bit more out of that. So, yeah. So like he didn't bring in that many, um, like their coordinators, the coordinators he brought in, uh, I'm looking at it and it's like, they're, these are a lot of first time first time coordinators. Um, okay. the thing the thing I do like is the offensive coordinator for um, for Houston that he brought in. He brought him from San Francisco, who was the he was was he, he was an offensive assistant. What was his actual title? Hold on. Bobby Bobby Slowick was the offensive passing game coordinator. Okay. In 2022 for San Francisco, which you, I mean, we saw what they did with with Brock Purdy of mm-hmm. all people. So I like that. I like that. But like, I kind of, kind of would have hoped that they brought he would have brought in one like for an offensive coordinator would have tried to bring in somebody that was more experienced. Yeah. On the off- on the offensive side of the ball, I don't know how Slowick did or what Slowick did really with the 49ers, but I would like. It's a lot of um, no names that he's I got gotcha. you. Yeah, and I, I mean for him, it, it sounds like it's guys that he knows and trusts, mm-hmm. and you know he feels confident that they'll be able to rise to that occasion. But I'm with you with Slowick. It's hard to know what you're getting because uh, everyone knows Shanahan's really running that offense, and so you know this is a guy that hey he got to learn from Shanahan, which is great. Um, but is he ready to be calling those plays on his own? You know. Yeah, so so and the defensive coordinator was the defensive line coach for the Cardinals last year. Okay. I'm trying to see like I'm not seeing besides playing for the Cardinals, I don't know how they really cross paths. Gotcha. Well, I mean, you know, when you're in the league, you know people, you know. You're you're yeah. you're seeing guys at games, you're you know, you you got all sorts of events and stuff going on and you know. Right, but I mean, I mean, this to to for for him to be like somebody that he quote trusts. I got you. Like he, I, I don't know where where that one. I'm, you know, the thing that concerns me about Houston is D'Amico Ryan's is their third head coach in three years. <laughs> yeah, that's a problem, man. That's an organizational problem. Uh huh. And it just. It kind of worries worries me a little bit there. Like, what is that going it, on in that? It's just not a stable environment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I I look at it. I hear what you're saying, but I'm looking at it. And I'm like, okay, they just drafted their quarterback of the future, and their defensive uh-huh. franchise player of the future, uh, and they brought in their coach. It just seems like this is 
this is like the combination. This is the nucleus of what's going to get them going for a couple of years. I can't, right. I you can't see, see them pulling the plug on him after a year like they did these last two guys. Well, see, see, and that's one of the things that's hard when you hire one of your franchise's all-time greats. And I'm going to, I put yeah. him in the category as one of, one of, oh yeah, for Houston for sure, all-time, all-time greats. And if when you hire them as your head coach, you end up giving them too much of a too too much slack for what's going on because okay. it's hard to fire them. It's like it's like if if after Belichick retires, the Patriots hire hire Brady as their head coach. Yeah, yeah, they'll it's let like, him have a disaster of a season. They'll let him have disaster of of a season after disaster of a season after disaster of a season because it's hard to pull that, pull that plug. Well, I mean, I would hope that they're given to Mecco Ryan's at least a couple seasons because, Mm -hmm. you know, you got rookie coach. I mean, you got a rookie quarterback, you got a very young defense, you got, you know, a roster that's kind of bare, you know, like it's, you got to give them a few years, but, uh, but I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying, you know, it's an interesting situation. All right, where do you want to go next, man? Uh, let's stay in the same division and go to to the Colts. Okay. Because I really actually I actually really like this hire. The Colts they they fired Frank Reich, and you'll see the path we're going in a second. Sure. Yeah. Or the path that I would like to go. Yeah. Yeah. No. Hey, you lead the way here, man. So so the the Colts they fired Frank Reich um, midway through the season. I uh, was it. Ah, ah, hell. Steve Wilkes took over. I mean, no, no, I'm sorry. Oh, no. uh, it's Jeff Saturday. Jeff Saturday, but I'm try- I was trying to remember when they fired him because it was kind of it was early, but it wasn't. Oh, it was like week seven or something, I think. Yeah, it was like week seven or week eight, and and um Hackett from Denver has has the honor of being the only coach to lose to Jeff Saturday. And he will always be the only coach ever to lose a football game to, it was it Hackett or was it uh, McDaniels? <laughs> I, I think it was McDaniels. I, I think it was McDaniels. Cause um, the, the Indianapolis Colts won one game after they fired Reich. And yeah. it was, I, I think it was, I thought it was Denver, but I th- actually think it was um, the Raiders. The Raiders. Okay. Um, well, that'd be a very much Josh McDaniels thing to do. And I remember yeah. him getting that. I remember Saturday getting that win, and then it was a disaster. I just don't remember who the win was against. It was the Raiders. It was, okay. So so they fired – I think they fired um, – it was week nine they fired uh, – what's his face? Right. Okay. Yeah, because they were it was after week nine. They were three, five, and one. Gotcha. And then, then they fired fired Wright and hired Saturday out of the blue, like, like, yeah. No coaching experience <laughs> at all. No coaching experience at all. And then they they hired like, um, you know, the show Parks and Rec. Um, yeah. They hired. They hired. Uh, offensive coordinator, interim offensive coordinator that I kid you not had had a name that was would would have been the like the creator of Parks and Rec came up with Parks Frazier. Yes, 
as as offensive coordinator, and they won one game and lost the rest of them. Um, it was is an unmitigated disaster last year in um, Indianapolis. They hired um, was it was Gannon or Steichen. It was Steichen, right? Yep. They hired Shane Steichen, who Steichen has been um, coaching a long time, even though he's thirty eight. He, his, his, wow. He started coaching when he, like, not grad assistant coaching, but regular coaching. He got at um, Louisville in 2010. Okay. So he was, what, that's 13 years? 12, 12, 13 years, yeah. Yeah, so he's been, he's, he's, he's coached both sides of the ball. He was offensive. He was offensive um, assistant, defensive assistant, offensive quality control, um, quarterbacks coach, which is that's the one that quarterbacks coach, interim offensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, and then offensive coordinator. He he coached the Chargers and the Philadelphia as offensive coordinator. Yeah, he was there for Herbert's rookie for year, Herbert's right? Rookie year and Herbert's record setting rookie year yep. as offensive coordinator and then turn around and look what he did with um, Jalen Hurts the last two seasons and made Jalen Hurts the highest paid quarterback momentarily in in the NFL. Um, he was quarterback's coach for Phillip Rivers. So, I mean, he has, has some – some experience coaching up quarterbacks, which is why I like the uh, Anthony Richardson draft pick yep. for them. I like the fit. I thought the fit was good. I don't, I didn't, any other team, I don't think Richardson would have been a good draft pick there, but he's coached, let me see. He's coached Phillip Rivers, um, Justin Herbert, uh, Jalen Hurts, and there's one more I'm forgetting that he coached. I'm drawing a blank. That's okay. You're not thinking of Wentz when he was an Indy? No, because Wentz or wasn't... I mean, yeah, no, no, sorry. Um, yeah, I'm not... I'm, I'm mixing up teams. Sorry. Yeah, because... Right, but because he's an indie now. Been, right, <laughs> I was thinking of when Wentz but, was an indie. No, 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 no. You were, was Wentz in Philly. Wentz wasn't in Philly. Okay. Um, it was twenty. No, no, yeah, no, no, yeah, no. I'm, I'm way off. Yeah. Yeah. So it was because I know what I'm saying. I thought there was one more. Maybe there wasn't. Okay. Um, maybe that maybe there wasn't because all I'm seeing is Cleveland. Um, for a year. That's fine. So, yeah, I, you know, yeah, I mean, with him, you know, a lot of what I'm hearing is he's going to be uh, RPO heavy and lean heavily on Jonathan Taylor while they develop Richardson. Um, which, I mean, hey, if, if they can get him on like that path that Jalen Hurts was on, where you see progress in the rookie year. Uh, and then it, it's just like gravy from there. I think it'd be an amazing thing. I think we got to be a little cautious because 
how often does that happen? Uh, Richardson may be the most athletic uh, quarterback we've seen. You know, he's like sort of in that Lamar Jackson kind of area or skill set, you know, a little bit of like the Cam Newton too. You know, I know they, they, oh, Cam Jackson was the nickname, whatever, but um, man, it'd be sweet if they could, if they could get him, get him there. But yeah, I think um, you look at how raw he was coming out of college and it just, you know, you got to preach having some patience. Yeah, exactly. You got to preach having some patience. Um, Sorry, the wife. That's all good, man. It's all good. It's all good in the hood. Yeah, you got to have some patience. You got to develop him. I'm hearing... And a lot of what I'm reading is they're not planning on playing Richardson right away. Okay. Which is good. Let him develop um, there. And and see how, how he goes. Although, uh, again, in the Super Bowl, the, his offense didn't get shut down like the next coach we were <laughs> would talk about. Okay. His defense did absolutely terrible. Um, that would be Jonathan Gannon, who was the defensive coordinator for the um, Eagles. He's, unlike Sykin, he doesn't have any offensive coaching experience. Like Sykin has defensive coaching experience. Yeah. Um, he was, at one point, he was a college scout um, and a pro scout for the Rams, which is weird, a weird tangent to his career. But he, he's been coaching since um, 2007 when he was a defensive quality control coach for the Falcons. In, and then he went to scouting, and then he went to the Titans as defensive quality control, as, assistance defensive backs coach with the Vikings for three years. He was actually defensive backs coach for the Colts for three for three years, four, okay. eight, nine, three years, and then he was with the Eagles as defensive coordinator when uh, Sirianni took over there. He doesn't have much to his coaching coaching resume, um, except but, he got to be on a stacked Philly defense. Exactly. Um, that and that this will make sense that the path sure. I'm going here. So he was he was the um, he was defensive back coach for Indianapolis under under Frank Reich. Okay. From eighteen to twenty, and and then he went to Philadelphia, which is where Steichen was as well. You know, the biggest thing with him is his. Oh, I forgot about that in the news. I'll go back to that. Okay. Um, the Eagles, they they blew a double-digit lead in the Super Bowl. Apparently, they were the second team to blow, blow a d- double-digit lead in the Super Bowl. Um, their secondary, I'm just reading some notes that I wrote down from articles, was confused appeared confused, leaving the Chiefs wide receivers wide open at times. I don't remember it exactly that way, but it does make sense. There were um, a couple was, blown plays for sure. There were a yeah. lot of blown plays. Um, and they were, and he played soft zone when all Mahomes wanted to do was throw quick passes. 
that was that was the concern. He's coaching Arizona. He's going into kind of kind of a good situation for him because this first year there's going to be no expectations. They just just released their best wide receiver. They yeah. just their their quarterback yeah, is Murray's out for half, yeah. half year. So he's the one that is going into the best situation where he can learn on the job. Um, yeah. He's he, his only experience, unlike Steichen, who had a couple years of offensive court, uh, offensive coordinator experience in, on a couple different teams. He, he's more like the Michael Ryan's, who only has the two years of experience, and they didn't they didn't do much in in the draft like Houston did to bolster that team. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is just that. You know, I talked about Houston maybe being the worst roster, um, you know, with exception to what they did in the offseason. Arizona, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe is the worst roster when you think about Kyler Murray being out, them just letting go of Hopkins, Zach Allen gone in free agency, J.J. Watt retired. They really didn't do Jonathan Gannon any favors going into his first year as a head coach here. And he's he's taken over the 27th ranked defense. Um, man, I just, I wish they would have given him something where he could at least try to push that defense forward. It seems like right now he's going to be going into a year where he's going to be struggling to find any wins at all, which is just, you know, I get it that it's going to be a wash of a year because of Murray being out, which you got to believe that Gannon's going to get at least two years because this year's expected to be a disaster, but it's like, you know, if you're a head coach, man, you don't want to walk into a situation that like 99% is going to be a fucking shit show embarrassment, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and, and I, I just think it's going to, they're kind of, I was surprised that somebody would be willing to take that job looking at the yeah. prospects of this team coming, coming into this year. But, um, yeah, they ended up, finding somebody all right who's next man so next now that we've gone over his former teams and his former coaching staff we'll go we'll go to frank Reich. sure so he was hired by the carolina panthers um after being fired by the colts so reich and without having a franchise quarterback in in indianapolis made the playoffs two out of his first three years finished uh with a 40-33-1 record in his tenure in um, Indianapolis. Yeah, he actually had a, a pretty good run up until this last season. Mm-hmm. Exactly. He he has he's been coaching. So let me see. He was a player till '98, finishing with the Lions in '98. Coached the Colts. For Not her. only a player, James the first quarterback in Carolina history. So you got another feel-good story, oh. kind of like Demeco Ryan's going back to Houston. Are we sure about that? That's one of the articles I read. I was shocked by it. I guess you're right. Wow, I didn't... It's going full circle. <laughs> I, I didn't... I'm I'm surprised that I just found out about that this week. 
because you would think that something like that would have been more in the news when they hired him, you know? Yeah, you would think. Let me see. Expansion draft. Huh. So did they sign him as a free agent? Because I'm not seeing him. They must have. Because they didn't draft a quarterback. I'm just curious about this now. So give me a second on that. And then three. Because right, I know. So, so Reich has more than 30 out. years of NFL experience, including serving as the Panthers' first starting quarterback in franchise history after signing with them dur- during its inaugural season in 1995. Reich threw the first touchdown pass in franchise history. Oh. That's why we don't remember him. Because they drafted Kerry Collins in the NFL oh, draft. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that was Kerry Collins' team for a while. Yeah. So he he didn't... Kerry Collins... Um, yeah, he was just holding the seat warm until Collins was ready. Yeah. Wait, trying to week five. So, so no, that's the I'm not seeing when Kerry Collins started. Ninety five. He played in fifteen games, started thirteen of them. So like week three. So that's why we don't remember. But, but the other thing about Frank Wright is he was quarterback for the Bills when previous to this past year when the Colts, when Minnesota came back against the Colts, mm-hmm. he had the record, or his the Bills had the record for the most, um, the biggest lead, halftime lead blown. Okay. Um, previous to that, I think it was 31 and the Minnesota came back from 32 down against against the Colts. Um, So Mike did a fine job in, in Indy. They had, they did have, have an off year. Um, He was, he was 10 and six, seven and nine, 11 and 11 and five. And they, they lost divisional game, wildcard game in 20 and 18, Uh, 21. He was nine and eight. And then he was three, five and one. And, so the three five and one, they hired an over the hill court. They brought in an over the hill quarterback, and it was just a whole cluster. Oh, everything that could have went wrong went wrong. The offensive yeah. line, which was a top five unit, totally disappeared. Their defense, their their not just their defense, their best player on defense went through some kind of like personal mm-hmm. crisis and changed his name and then was never available to play. And the defense, which was fairly stout, just like sucked ass. I mean, just everything that could have went wrong went wrong for him last year, man. I I felt like he got a raw deal in Indy, but I'm glad he's gone because, you know, you don't want to be in an organization that treats people that way anyhow. Yeah, exactly. Like, like he, he took, 
he took them to the playoffs under with Philip Rivers and Andrew Luck. He had to deal with the surprise the surprise retirement of Andrew Luck right before the 2019 season. Put Brissett in there, and I mean the team finished seven and nine. Yeah, and yeah, they, he just got the raw deal there. I really like Frank Reich as a coach. Um, he he won. With the Eagles, Super Bowl uh, 52. Um, yeah, 52 is the offensive coordinator, and that was like the Nick Foles year. Yeah, the Philly special. He was the yeah, uh, yeah. The Philly special. And then and then they tried to recreate that Carson Wentz magic that was happening before Wentz got hurt in in Philly. That didn't work out. Um, it's just. It's just sad, like how how shit kind of happened with with yeah. him, Nicole. Yeah, and then and then you know Matt Ryan. I mean, it's just they they were trying every veteran quarterback that mm-hmm. became available, and none mm-hmm. of them worked out. I mean, Philip Rivers worked out pretty well the one year, but then that was it. So yeah, but he was just there the one year. Yeah, so, and and so yeah, I mean, you know, he's he's taken over a Carolina team with a pretty good defense and they they went out they drafted Bryce Young uh it's arguably the weakest division in the NFL you know my concern is just that you know DJ Moore's gone as part of the trade up to be able to get Bryce Young um you know I know they went out they got Thielen and they did some stuff like that but it's the same kind of thing I'd, I'd prefer to see them have a little bit more horsepower to help their rookie quarterback develop um, mm-hmm. and so, you know, it's a little bit of a concern, but you know, th- that's why the, these guys are all head coaches, new head coaches, right? They're taking yeah. over a team so, that had some the problems. Thing, thing, thing with, with Carolina is Reich was kind of the surprise hire because Wilkes took over the team. Oh, the players before. loved him. The players loved him. They finished the season six and six, even though they, they kept, they still kept winning even after they, yeah unceremoniously traded away the they best did, player on the team. Yeah, they did better without McCaffrey running mm-hmm. the ball. And, I mean, it just goes to show what Wilkes did. And, you know, we talked about it. You know, I was bummed out that they didn't give Wilkes the chance. But it is what it is, man. It's just the name of the game, you know. Like, you, if you want to go offense, sorry, you know. That's just the way they wanted to do it. Yeah, and I think – but I like, I like the – Really? Sorry, I just saw something in my research that I missed with uh, Indianapolis. Okay. You know who they hired as offensive coordinator? No, who's? Oh yeah, Jim Bob Cooter. Jim Bob Cooter. <laughs> yeah. Uh... And, it, and yeah, it just it just kind of I saw that and it distracted me from it. Where was it going? Oh, like I thought Will Scott. Got a a raw deal, getting kicked out of. Uh... Uh, yeah, I'm just glad that he landed in San Francisco because at least he's going to a place where he's got talent on the defense that he's going to be coaching, and hopefully that keeps him in the conversation for head coach interviews this time, or you know, not this time next year, but next year when that window opens again. 
Mm-hmm. And like, like there were there were a lot of big name on the on the list of like people they were considering. Then none of them. Only one like. I was like, okay, I'm not even seeing Steve Wilkes on the list of people they interviewed, and then I finally found it. Okay. But it's it's just with Wright got the a raw deal in Indy, but he's taking over for a guy that kind of got a raw deal and wasn't given a given a true chance to take over a team that absolutely loved him and played their asses off for him. Yeah. Um, I like I like Wright as a coach. I just kind of. I feel kind of cheated that this is the way he got the job, but I feel bad for how he lost the job in Indy. So it's I got you. And he's he's bringing in. Oh, really? That's hilarious. So the pat, you know who the passing game coordinator is this year in Carolina? Hmm. The guy I was just making fun of, Parks Frazier. But yeah, but he he's quarterbacks coach Josh McCown. Um, who else did they bring in? Uh, defensive backs coach, assistant DB coach D'Angelo Hall. Uh, but like the coordinators are people I've never heard of that he's bringing okay. in. Thomas Brown is the offensive coordinator. Who, who the fuck is Thomas Brown? <laughs> we'll find out in time. We'll find out. Um, all right. Well, here let's let's move over. Let's get to Denver, man. We got our last one. You ready to talk okay. about Sean Payton? I'm ready to talk about Sean Payton. Um, this the one, most this... the most well known name of the group and the yeah. only uh, Super Bowl winning head coach. So Reich got a ring but not as the head coach. coach. So this one bugs the living shit out of me. This one's got some strange stuff going on with it too, but yeah, go ahead. So Sean Payton retired as Broncos coach, also known as, oh, I see what's come, or as Broncos, as Saints coach. Also known as, I see what's coming down the pipe next season, and I don't want to deal with this shit with anymore. With salary cap that I created. Yeah. Um, he was traded for. The Broncos gave up a 2023 first-round pick and That's, a 2024 yeah. second-round pick in exchange for Peyton, Peyton, Peyton and a 2024 third-round pick from the Saints. Which is absolutely absurd. This is the third time, I believe, that a coach has been traded from one team to another. It's very Uh, rare. Because you had three that I can remember. Obviously Gruden, which, you know, worked because they got the Super Bowl. But, um, yeah. Belichick was the other one. Yep. Um. I want to see if if there's so there's only three I can remember. <sighs> oh, oh wow! This is curious. It's happened a lot more than I thought. Oh, I just pulled up a 
old link. Yeah, so go ahead. Bill Parcells was traded in 97 from the Patriots to the Jets for a first, second, third, fourth, and $300,000. Holmgren was, fought, was traded from the Packers to the Seahawks for a second round pick. Belichick from the Jets to the Patriots for a first, fourth, seventh, and the Patriots also got a fifth and a seventh rounder. Gruden was two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and $8 million. Yeah. Herm Edwards for a fourth-round pick, Bruce Arians for a sixth-round pick, and now Sean Payton. Three of the six trades, Parcells, Holmgren, Belichick, Gruden, Edwards, Arians, three of them, which was Gruden, Belichick, and... I don't know who the other one was. Oh, Arians. Huh. Oh, yeah. I was thinking Arians being traded to the Cardinals, but he was from the Cardinals to the the Buccaneers. So at least half the trades for... That's really intriguing. Half the trades for a coach have... Went went on for a Super Bowl. Bowl. (laughs) Um... Home, four of the five took their team to a Super Bowl. Okay. And actually, only one of them was sub 500. Oh, poor Herb. Yeah, 15 and 33. Okay. Parcells was 29 and 19 with the Jets. Um, Holmgren took the Seahawks to the Super Bowl. Wow. It's happened a lot more than I thought. It still bugs me when this happens. Yeah. That, 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 I, I did not realize that that's how much freaking the Raiders got for Gruden. Oh, yeah. And what'd they do with it? Jeez. So, yeah, I mean, you know, here's the thing with Denver making the trade for Sean Payton is that, um, I mean, we all know Payton is like regarded as one of the, um, you know, top offensive play callers Mm -hmm. of the generation, you know, and how much of that is, is him and how much of that is Drew Brees and, you know, maybe it's just the combination of the two was like amazing or whatever. It, you know, nobody really knows. But, um, you know, I was reading an article on NFL.com by Judy Batista talking about how um, Denver really wanted Jim Harbaugh. They tried getting him to leave Michigan. Mm-hmm. He turned him down. And apparently, as Demeco Ryans was signing with Houston, Denver tried sniping him away, and he also denied them. And so it wasn't until after they did those two attempts that they went out and they made the trade for Peyton, which just to me, it seems like, you know, it's almost a little bit of a desperation play at that point. And then even then, if you're Peyton, it's like you were you were not only their not their first preferred guy, you weren't even their second pick. And then you're their third pick, which they've now traded a high draft pick for. So there's high expectations. And it just, 
I don't know. The whole thing just seemed kind of wonky to me. Like Denver, you know, they're another one of these teams that they just seem like they got some organizational issues, something going on that's just not right, man. Yeah, no, and I do that. I was with, I had forgot like all that was going on, but yeah, I did hear that like it was like Harbaugh, 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 and then Harbaugh's like no, and Harbaugh was just using them to get get yeah. money out of. U of M because you know after like he was struggling against Ohio State and everything they kind of cut his salary forced cut yep. his salary yep. and shit and he got a new deal with with U of M um but with with Peyton like he's coached 15 years all with Drew Brees and he's nine of those 15 years they made the playoffs one they won the Super Bowl He's overall 152 and 89 as head coach, um, nine and eight in the playoffs, um, which is a, it's a solid record. But I agree with you. It's how much of it was Breeze. Um, what would have been the situation if the doctors in Miami would have cleared Breeze? Oh yeah, you know that story, right? Yeah, it's and that was Saban. That's why Saban stepped down. Eventually, ended up stepping down is because he wanted Breeze and doctors wouldn't clear the trade. And he's like, no, he's good. Trust me. And they're like, no. And so that's how New Orleans got him. And I mean, changed, changed two franchise, two franchises there. Um, so I, I don't know how much of it is Breeze versus how much of it is Peyton. He he did he still was able because Breeze retired in nineteen. Oh yeah, geez, I'm trying to think. Yeah, it was it. I think it was nineteen. Twenty twenty one. Was it that late? Yeah. Oh, at the end of the 2020 season. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So. Yeah. So you're close. You're close. So I mean, and he still was able to have a winning record with um, was that Jameis Winston was their quarterback? I think so. Yeah, I think they went to Jameis. Um. Or was it Teddy Bridgewater? Oh shit! I forgot Teddy Bridgewater was in there. Yeah, yeah, because they, yeah, because that was the start of the Taysom Hill trickery. Yeah, or I guess that started with Breeze, but it like really picked up. Where is the fucking roster? No, no, that can't be right. Twenty twenty one New Orleans Saints. They were nine and eight with the quarterbacks on their roster were Ian Book, Taysom Hill, and Trevor Simeon. That can't mm. be right. Something's wrong there. Yeah, I'd have to go back and look. I'm not I'm not totally sure. Cause I'm showing they signed Jameis Winston in July twenty twenty one. So I'm sure he would have been the guy at least for part of that season. Yeah, that's what I thought too. But 
So he played seven games in 2021. He got hurt. And then... And then Teddy Bridgewater... No, no, he wasn't the other guy. Yeah, so he... Teddy Bridgewater was in Denver in 2021? Yeah, it was... That's why he... Okay, so he he went on IR. So that's why it's... it's, I guess it's the final... Okay. Final roster, not like... Sure. And it was week eight, week eight, and they went on, on a little bit of a losing skid after that. And but they they went, finished the season four and one, and damn near made the playoffs. So week five, he broke his collarbone. Yeah, and I mean, you know, when you look at the roster, Trevor Simeon took over. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Peyton is. He's taking over a team that on paper has talent on both sides of the ball. You know, the secondary is not as strong as it used to be, but they have all the weapons they need on offense, and they have plenty of weapons on defense. It's just a matter of is the coaching change all they need to turn it around, or is there more going on here where, you know, yeah, it looks good on paper, but, you know, a lot of it, maybe it's like, you know, Russ is cooked, like they say, and so whatever here's, else. Here's a couple couple things about about Denver. Peyton has to change the attitude in that locker room because everything I was um, reading about what was going on in Denver was that entire team didn't respect Russ. Okay. The entire team didn't, and he has to change that attitude. Yeah. To to be successful there. And that's going to be hard to do because I don't think Russ, I really, I've been saying it for a couple of years. I thought that Seattle held on to Russ one year too long. I was telling you they should trade, they should trade him, get rid of him. I think he's, he's pretty much done. He's, I want to call him old, but he's not really that old. Well, part of his but, game forever has been, improvising, getting out of the pocket. And then last year they tried to keep him in the pocket. And then when he basically forced it to get out of the pocket, he didn't have that same kind of athleticism that let him have that success earlier with Seattle. Yeah. So he's, I mean, he's 34, so he's getting up there in quarterback years. And now, now, James, I did hear, that Russ has lost a lot of weight mm-hmm. trying to get was... some of that speed back and that mobility back. And I think that that's huge. I think that that's important. Um, you know, one thing I, I will say that I do like about this connection is that when you look at like the arc on his deep passes, it's very similar to what we saw from Drew Brees. He's one of those quarterbacks that really knows how to put air under the ball. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that fits what Peyton has going on with his playbook mm-hmm. and, and whatever else. But it just, you know, his quarterback style was different than Drew Brees or is different than Drew Brees's was. And so, you know, a lot remains to be seen here. Yeah. And he's shorter than Brees, too, which I didn't know was possible. But 
Yes. He's one inch shorter. Okay. What are you trying anyways, to say about I, short people, man? I I said nothing. You're the one. Okay. okay. Um, Last time I checked, both those short guys won Super Bowls. <laughs> I was just saying that he was shorter shorter than Breeze. I, yeah. I got I was you. not I got saying you. Uh, I'm, hey, I'm just taking it through. I'm taking else it through. Outside of yeah. that. Yeah. Of course, a lot of people watching the show, they don't know how tall I am, right? As far as they know, I'm fucking six feet tall. So, um, but yeah. All right. Well, you know, what else you got for Sean Payton, man? Or you wanted me to segue us over to our question of the week? I think we can segue over to question of the week because, like, I just, I just have really big issues with, with trading for a head coach. Okay. Um, all right. Question of the week. Now that you've heard all of our stats and our rundown on each of these new head coaches, will any of these coaches get their team into the playoffs this year? And if so, which one or which ones? Uh, then I want to do a bonus question and find out, since there's only five of these guys, which ones do you think will finish above 500 and which ones below, since we know historically they finish lower than 500? And so let's start with the playoff question, James. Do you think any of these guys make it in? I do. Okay. And it's and it's not because I think they make that much of a difference on the team as much as the team that they like, we don't have room in our driveway. What the fuck are you doing, jackass? <laughs> Sorry, I can see my driveway from here and both our cars are parked in the driveway and some jackass was just pulling my driveway to turn around. It's all good. It's like there's not that much room. Um anyways, uh this team Carolina, they have a super fucking easy schedule this year. Yeah. They have, um, they get, like I had told you, they play the AFC South. So that's Houston, Indianapolis, two new, um, and then Jacksonville and uh, whoever the other team is there. Uh, Houston, Indianapolis, Jacksonville, Tennessee. Uh, so you have two new head coaches they play there. They also play the NFC North, you know, Green Bay, who's going to be down, Chicago, who's kind of still trying to rebuild, Minnesota, who's trying to claim they're not rebuilding, um, and and the Lions, who are kind of hit and miss. I'm, I'm also trying to – I was going to look – so they play two – they only play two teams – they, they do play two of the new head coaches, and they're – Besides them, besides like Houston and Indianapolis who play each other, they have the most games against a new or a rookie head coach. Okay. Because like Denver doesn't play any. Um, Carolina, Houston, Indy play each other and don't play don't play any other or play oh they play do they play no they Houston Indy yeah, because they play Carolina and each other. So, but that doesn't. I'm not counting that. Anyways, Carolina has a fucking easy ass schedule. It kind of starts off like they their divisions down. They do they and they play the North and the NFC AFC and the NFC North, AFC South. 
amongst amongst the teams they play. So I think they end up with, and I had this, and we talked about this last week. They end up with a nine and eight record. They they win two more games. Yeah, it looks like you had them at two more games than Seattle. So they just sneak into the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, they just sneak it, sneak into the playoffs barely as the seven seed, um, not okay. even winning the division. And I think the other oh, they're in one game ahead of New Orleans is what you had also. So yeah, yeah they they that, crept in tied with Minnesota or no, I'm sorry, one game ahead of Minnesota also. So yeah, yeah. sorry. So they just barely make the playoffs, um, and because I had I think. All right. I'm trying to look. I had Minnesota. Yeah, no, I had them beating Minnesota, and that was the difference there. Yeah, and so then in terms of above or below 500, and I'm looking at the sheet here. I um, think. Yeah, go only ahead, man. Carolina is above 500. I do have Houston being close to above 500, and I do see, do see, the possibility of them ending up above 500. If if a game breaks the right way, like they play, oh shit! Houston plays every one of the other he- new head coaches. I missed that game. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's Houston, interesting. Houston plays in the division. They play at Carolina in Week Eight. They play home against Arizona in week 11. They play home against Denver in week 13. Good for them, man. Wow. So I have I have Houston just just below 500. Um, I have them at seven and 10, and I think they're the only one that comes close. I have Indianapolis at four and 13, and Denver at five and 12. There. Um, I think Houston has done the most to better their team this offseason. Yeah, but they're uh, coming from 3-13-1. So, yeah, yeah, how much can you coming, really go in one year? They're coming a long, a long way. While Carolina had a decent, had a really good end of the season, which I think is um, shows that there's talent there. It was just a coaching issue at the beginning of the season, and I think Wright can get that that do that um ship right can get that ship righted yeah and they were seven and ten last year you know if you go with the stat 1.3 wins that takes them to 8.3 that's close to where you had them at nine wins um you know and then interestingly i just went through my model for carolina and so i have their record at four and 13 for next year but the interesting part of that is that seven of their losses in my model are by three points or less. And so mm-hmm. I could see them, uh, they're one of those teams where it's so tight that just the slightest boost could really push them the other way. Um, but yeah, for me, I, you know, I'm, I'm with, I'm going the other way. I'm with Denver getting above 500 and I'm going to go Denver. And, and I'm doing this because I like the stats you gave me about the coach trades. Those are more successful than I would have thought. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think the pieces are there. And so despite some of this weird, whatever going on in the background with Denver, um, I, I guess I'm there. Let me say this. They're going to be my pick to go over 500. 
They're not going to be my pick to make the playoffs. I don't think any of these guys make the playoffs based off of the model that I went through last week. Uh, but I got Denver as the one out of the five going over 500. There we go. Okay. <laughs> I was starting to not say it right, but I got it right there at the end. So, uh, but a big bada boom. Any closing thoughts there, James? I don't think so. I think that's about it. Okay. Well, hey, for anybody who's watching, we hope you like the show. Uh, you know, hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Like the video. And uh, come on, play Name That Stadium. Answer the question of the week. We want some engagement. That's why we do this. And, uh, yeah, next time, which we're going to be skipping next week, but the week after, we're going to dive into some of the trades that we think should still happen, whether or not they will or whatever. Just a little bit of, you know, dreaming and thinking and whatever and trying to match some guys up with where they could maybe do better for themselves or help a team better or whatever the case may be. And so, yeah, uh, like always, James, it was a good time, man. I'll catch you later, homie. All right, sounds good. Have Great it. Iron Grinder. Hut, hut, hike.